0: Welcome to Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the life you want. Um, today we're going to be talking with Mr. No Doctor mm. William Pettit. Hi,
1: hello. It's welcome, Doctor Pettit.
0: Yeah. Bill, I, I tend to call you Bill. Sorry. Yeah,
1: no, that's fine. That's that's really <laughs> fine. I even wore my red Christmas shirt.
0: Or... Yeah, me too. See, I, yeah. I yeah. changed. <laughs> um. Yes. So people, you guys are listening to this in January, but we're actually recording right before Christmas. So we're in the Christmas spirit still. <laughs> and um, today I'm talking uh, with Dr. Pettit, who's a board certified psych- psychiatrist. And uh, but um, I've met him because Super Coach Academy and Michael Neal and uh, he was a a teacher so he teaches the three principles and uh, you can find him on the website um, the drpettits.com because he's married with doctor (laughs) and she she's also a three principles uh, teacher uh, of this too and uh, they have this beautiful beautiful saying under their logo that says, never broken, nothing lacking. And so welcome, Dr. Pettit.
1: Thank you. You know, a lot of people uh, just, uh, it's the doctors, Pettit is D-R-S. Some yeah. people, they try to find it under D-O-C-T-R-S. And, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. The, the I'm going to
0: put the link in the description, everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So the reason I invited Dr. Pettit is because well, we've been having conversations about other things, and uh, he introduced me to, we were having, we were just having, you know, these inspirational conversations, and one of them was about my guidance side, and I wanted you to to talk a little bit about it.
1: Well, I'm really glad to, and you know, um, the people, uh, Krista Kamsall, uh, I'm sure would be glad to be on your show. All you'd have to do is let me know.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely.
1: And and Kathy Emerson Marshall, um, at least one or both of them. Um, Yeah, my guide inside is one of three, and I want to, well, I guess you could say four, one of four programs um, aimed at uh, bringing the understanding of the three universal principles of mind, thought, and consciousness to children, to, uh, you know, to children. And, and, I'm most familiar with my guide inside, which is is based both in uh, Canada and in the United States. And then there's the Spark, uh the Spark, which is um based here in the United States. And then there's My Heart, which is based in um in London in England, UK. And then there's um Annie Poole, um uh, uh who I just uh, bought her uh her book, simply being you, um, Annie has worked with schools in the United Kingdom, also with children, and has a program. So, so the, my guidance I am most familiar with um, Krista Campbell um, met Sid, yeah, and she and her husband Bob met Sid Banks, uh, the the man who uncovered he would say uncovered the principles. Um, he they met him in 1975 just about 15 months after uh Mr. Banks had his epiphany whatever you want to call the experience that he had a profound experience and um she was a uh, in education and then became a, I think she was a special education teacher and became a principal uh of school and uh and she teamed up a few years ago, with um, Kathy Emerson Marshall, who's from uh, Minnesota, well, she's from South Dakota, and I knew her family there. And, but she, she, for twenty-five over twenty-five years, has been the director of the National Institute of Resilience for the United States at the University of Minnesota. And they teamed together, and they've made this program, which you can go to to of my guidance side. And they have a teacher's manual and a students' manual for um, first through fourth graders, fifth through eighth graders, and ninth through twelfth graders. And um, I think I shared with you the last time. I can stop at any time, uh, Jasmine. Yeah, I, I had there was these four. You know, yeah, go ahead. We talked about it a little. Yeah, yeah,
0: we talked about it a little bit um, the last time that we introduced and and. What what the impact that I wanted to have was just because you shared with me one of the rules for the first graders, and I was like, wow! Like if we could, like if everybody just knew that. Imagine a first grader. So what was the first? Can you remind me?
1: Yeah, there. You know what what I usually say is the first four, but I'm just glad to do the first one right now. But I say if if all adults in the world learn these first. Not learned because it's not a cognitive thing. Yeah. If they realized from their deep in their own consciousness, these first four truths, which were never taught to me in twenty-six and a half years of education, or all my nine hundred lectures in psychiatry residency, if 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 these were were recognized by every adult in the in the world. The world would change dramatically within 14 days and if I would have learned this in first grade my life would have been incredibly gentler and the lives of many many people around me would have been gentler just because because of, of my state of mind would have been better <laughs> and so the very first one you know and I I, did, I think I kind of did it like Jasmine I said Imagine that you and I have just kind of met each other. We're first graders and we're kind of like, you know, just enjoying each other's company. And then we sit down next to each other and the teacher comes out and said, well, this first week of first grade, we're going to learn that you have a guide inside. You can trust it. You can trust the feeling of it. And it will will guide you. Uh, in, in throughout your life and it's important to know that you know you have a guide inside no one told me that no one i thought i had to figure everything out with my analytical thinking so i drove myself batshit for many many years yeah. going in and out of clinical depression and six six psychiatrists helping me navigate my life and and not have to stop my my education or my work but boy sometimes being hardly able to even move
0: you know I I when you when you told me that since we've spoken um, I've been thinking about it and um, very young I I did have these I was told I was stubborn. Mm. I was like, oh, you're such a stubborn child, you mm. know. But I just knew there were things that were not, um, it's not like it's not right. It was just not aligned with me. It just didn't work with me. And I was just like a no to certain things mm. immediately without no apparent reason, mm. you know, very young. And, and, and of course, you know, I grew up and then they, I was told that I was uh, stubborn and I didn't want to do things and I was set in my ways. And I think that, you know, I was told this when I was like really, really young and I'm like now in my fifties and I'm told the same thing. And now I'm kind of like, Hmm, no, actually after all of this understanding, you know, after learning of the three principles, I can see that it's just the way that it shows up for me, the way that I want to live my life, the way that my, just my inside, you know, inside of me, I I just know when it's a no. Am I making any sense?
1: Yeah, you know, I I'm, I hear you. That you're you're you've listened early. You learned early on to listen to a, an internal guidance system. That that's you know, if if people don't want to call it God, they can call it whatever they want to call it. Yeah. But it's it's divine. We're we're made of something. We're in form, but but there's there's something formless that's keeping our heart beating and keeping us breathing you know i said the word breathing for the first time just now and i've been breathing all day and had no knowledge of it of doing anything to do that mm. the the life doctors know when life isn't there but no doctor can tell you what life is but it's formless it's formless but it's it's what what we see there's there's an intelligent energy that behind the entire or manifested in the whole universe i mean my my lemon tree is a manifestation of that same divine intelligence that i am i think the primary difference is that the lemon tree always listens to that divine intelligence and i can listen to my own ego self and then wonder why things don't work out very well
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me ask you, so you studied you studied to be a psychiatrist, basically you went to school and you right. studied the psychology is it psych- is it psychology and psycho- they're different right
1: no they're different in, in, in a psychiatrist is a physician first okay so i finished medical school and i actually uh, uh after medical school in Chicago at the University of illinois. For two years, I was in surgery residency uh, with a goal of eventually becoming a heart surgeon. And I was at uh, Rush Presbyterian St. Luke's Hospital, which is a huge center. Now it's Rush University in Chicago. Uh, Do you know who Benjamin Rush was? No. Benjamin Rush was the only MD uh, who signed the Declaration of Independence. Okay. There you go. And so I was at brush, uh, I was an, in surgery residency. This is 1969 to 1971. We were on call every other night, 36 on, 12 off, got zero to three hours sleep. Uh, twice a month, we were on for 96 out of 108 hours. I remember taking a short nap of 45 minutes twice during a 60-hour period, mm-hmm. taking care of life and death, accidents, et cetera. I mean, you know what the human being can do, right? And after a year and a half of that, and I had uh, three, I had five, it was a total of five years, uh, the residency, and I had been deferred by the United, by Viet, Vietnam was on, there was still a draft for doctors. And I had been deferred, and about halfway through my second year, I realized I, I was exhausted, and I didn't like the way I was, Jasmine, I was not kind to, I, I don't know that I was ever not kind to my patients, but I was not kind to the nurses. I wasn't kind to even my colleagues. And so I put in my resignation. I gave them six months notice. I'd, lived, I'd worked out my last six months. And then I was drafted by, into, the, into the Navy and I uh, became a family physician. I, I took six months training, actually to be a doctor on an aircraft carrier they call a Navy flight surgeon. And I scored high enough that I didn't have to go on an aircraft carrier because I barely knew my wife that I had married just bef- six months before I went into my uh, residency. I mean, I you know, we really, as far as married life. And um, so I, I scored high enough that I was at a land-based squadron, a training squadron for naval, for anti-submarine helicopter pilots. And um, so I was a family physician for about two and a half years. And I started realizing two things. I started realizing for me and for my clientele that there was an incredible relationship between people's physical well-being and their mental well-being. That a constant state of mental stress manifested in alarms trying to wake the person up. (laughs) and and most people don't see it as alarms they think of something else to get upset about so they they want to stop the suffering and get rid of the suffering without changing their relationship to that inner guide in their own ego self thinking <laughs> mm. and I, and i saw that for myself and and i um and i saw the mind body connection so i entered a psychiatry residency then and did a, a three had three more years of psychiatry residency, and then I was chief of psychiatry at the um, uh, nuclear submarine base uh, in Groton, Connecticut, for three years, and faced the decision of whether or not to stay in the Navy or not. And um, I I chose not to. I left psychiatry and went to, from Connecticut to California to the Bay Area, and I worked with a company out of San Rafael, California called LifeSpring. And I traveled around the country doing five-day trainings. They were called adult experiential growth trainings. Some people know about AST and Landmark. Um, Well, LifeSpring was to AST as Avis was to Hertz. It was kind of like not quite as popular, but, but we were in nine cities at one time. I did trainings in all over the United States. I typically in New York, Philadelphia, or Washington, D.C., or the West Coast, San Francisco, San Diego, um, Denver, Colorado, Phoenix. I did one in Tokyo, Japan, Calgary, Canada. And it was during that time from 1980 to 1983 that I heard of a Dr. George Pransky in the Oakland area, who was uh, one of the first psychologist along with Dr. Roger Mills that really, um, knew that this man, Mr. Sidney Banks had come upon something. And, and I saw, I heard that he was in Oakland, that people were bringing him people that, um, uh, people had given, you know, had been labeled all kinds of labels and felt there was no hope. And more often than not, they, um, they found a healthy, happy, um, uh, life Uh, and so I was intrigued and and it was through through Dr. Pransky that I um, then later met Mr. Banks on April Fool's Day 1983 and my life was changed.
0: (laughs) What is the like what is the like I hear that uh, a lot of you for I call you guys the first generation Uh, a lot of you guys kind of like in the beginning were a little bit like What what are you saying with Sid? Like, you know, we're a little bit because it confronted you to what you'd been thought. Right? What what you had been what you had learned in your psychology in your school, schooling. Did you have any of that? Did you or did you just like wow, this is awesome?
1: Yeah, I had very little of the first. Yeah. I really did. And, and, and it's, I mean, I, you know, it's surprising in a way. Um, um, I, I, I I later, I can, I can give the examples, but mostly at the beginning, I think I was hurting. I mean, I was successful. I I became national program director of this company and, and uh, within, you know, two years. Um, And so if everybody, anybody looked now, but I had felt like a failure, I, I had a wife and uh, I, I had gotten divorced from my wife and I was on the East Coast once, uh, my agreement was that I would do a training on the East Coast once a month, and then have a week with my two small children from my from my marriage. Uh, later, we got back together and thanks to Sid and thanks to Sid and, Dr. Pransky's understanding, and and as from Sid, that I had then eighteen more years after being divorced for three years with my wife and, until she passed away in two thousand. But uh, but I I sat there that day on April Fool's Day, nineteen eighty three, and I um, within thirty minutes um, I felt a three hundred pound weight off my back. I I I can I can't say what he said I I I but I I for the first time in my life I knew that I was okay I was not broken there was nothing lacking I wasn't going in and out of depression for 20 years because of genes I had on both sides with a heavy loading for de- depression and and alcoholism and even uh a suicide and later another suicide on the other side That wasn't, it was what I was doing moment to moment with this incredible power and gift of mind, thought, and consciousness. Mm. And I saw that I was spending six to nine hours a day with my thinking, metaphorically doing this, and then wondering why I had a terrible headache on that side of my head at the end of the day, Mm. having no idea, thinking that it was being caused by external circumstances outside of me that i had no control over <laughs> which is a pretty helpless feeling if you think yeah. that your distress is being caused by things external to you that you have very little if no control over you feel screwed and i did yeah. and and i was uh,
0: angry like like i hear you like you you felt screwed i was angry i was like no, I'm I'm gonna do it. Like you know, I was like I was banging myself on the head, and I was like, I'm still going that way. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but no, no, no. But it was anger. It was, of course, in it. Like the young, when I was younger, it was. I did go into a, you know a despair. Phase, but then I didn't like that feeling at all. I don't like the despair feeling. So I got into anger. You know, I was into that anger part right. of it. Right. But now I'm so much more peaceful, calm. Mm. I've got, you know, it's inner peace is present. Like, I was listening, I was re-listening to a podcast that I did maybe six months ago, like, no joke, like, it's still, it's still constantly coming up. And in this podcast, I was saying that I was constantly checking up on myself, like, how am I doing? How am I doing? How am I do- and mm-hmm. I was like, and I was explaining how it was still there. And as I'm explaining it, like I was doing something and listening to my own podcast. And I kind of turned and I looked at myself. And I was like, I did that. I used to do that. I don't remember doing that. Like, it just disappears once you stop doing it.
1: Yeah, it w- meaning what disappears. I'm sorry. Like the. Yeah, you know, maybe that did for you. It didn't for me. It was an inc- no? incremental for 39 years. At, I first realized that I was the one doing it, but I didn't. I didn't know exactly how to stop doing it. I, I now ha- had hope awakened because if I know that I'm causing it, rather than these things that I have no control over, there's a chance. And I, I heard something that I, I think there's something here that as I listen more, I may not stop doing this completely, but I'm going to stop doing it as often and I'm not going to be hitting myself as hard <laughs> yeah. and and even even a twenty percent decrease will be wonderful and so the last thirty nine years continues to be um incremental insights it's and I think to me that's important for people to understand if they look into into exploring the these three universal principles, Jasmine, because I think sometimes people think that there's an it.
0: Yeah.
1: Like like it once once you learn to ride a bicycle, it's hard to pretend like you don't know how to ride a bicycle. It's hard to make yourself crash on a bicycle if you know how to ride a bicycle. It's yeah. hard to, if you know how to swim, it's hard to jump in the water and act like you don't know pretend like you don't know how to swim because you know how to swim. It's it's just there. Well, it is true that once you get a glimpse. That life is inside out rather than outside in it, life is different you've turned You've turned the boat around in a different direction, but the speed that you go in that new direction it, it varies and and th- by insights and and Sid used to say there's an infinite number of doors of insight into these principles infinite. Now, last time I looked at my math book, that's a really, really big number. I'm not sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I think that's important because otherwise, people, so many people contact me and they say, I've been around the principles for seven years, but now X has happened and I'm overwhelmed and I'm 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 really struggling and I'm 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 you know I'm really lost. Okay. And I think the important thing to think is when that happens, if I really know that it is inside out, it's just that my challenge that I'm facing in my life is now bigger beyond my level of understanding. And I'm being given a, an opportunity to go through a few more doors of, of understanding. So I, whenever I feel emotional distress, which is is infrequent now, but if, if, and when I do, if something, you know, things happen in life and then you die, you know, and, and if something happened that kind of knocked me off kilter, I would know to get present and to know that I was being given an opportunity to, to, um, to go through a few more doors of understanding. If I'm willing to quiet and listen, listen as from where we started to that guidance side.
0: Yeah, it's not a, it's not a, okay, you're going to learn how to calculate two plus two and it's four and that's how it's going to be forever and now just remember that it's that and you're good. It's not that. It's, it's, it's not, it's just like, it's not intellectual.
1: You know, it's not. I mean, it, it takes a realization, but it is simple. You either listen to your guide inside or you listen to your personal thinking. And it's not that the personal thinking is the enemy, or as some people think, the, the roommate that you can't evict. It's not about that. It's a beautiful gift. But if it's if if listening to your personal thinking is taking me away. Listening to my personal thinking is taking me from a loving, lighthearted state of mind. I'm much less interested in in it than I used to be. I'm not. In fact, I'm not interested in it. And and I I I as soon as I feel my feeling level dropping, I know that I'm listening to my ego rather than to my heart or my place of truth inside of me, and. Uh, you know, it's become more and more sensitive to that. I've become more and more sensitive. I, I kiddingly, but not only half kiddingly say, if I haven't had a hearty laugh by noon, I'm taking life way too seriously. Mm. Way too seriously. One of my favorite quotes, and then I'll, I'll listen again, is that Sid, in I think it's in the Enlightened Gardener. He says, seriousness and discomfort is to mental illness as damp and dark is to fungus. Makes it grow. Mm. On the other hand, or however, love and lightheartedness is to mental illness as sunlight and dry is to fungus. It eradicates it. And it's not a willful thing. And as you pointed out, it's not a cognitive thing. But through insights, through realizations, from what's already in your own consciousness, that divine wisdom and energy that we're made of, that we're part of life, that once you're, you start having trusting enough to listen and having realizations from there, life gets easier, effortlessly. We've, we've been told you have to work for this and that for peace of mind, and it's it no. It's like a huge cork that takes effort to push under the water. But once you stop the pressure of pushing the cork underwater, the cork does not need a GPS to get back to the surface.
0: Mm.
1: Nor does our mental well-being and our love and lightheartedness. It's what we're made of. It's essence. Yeah. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I didn't know that what was behind life was love and lightheartedness. And, Totally benevolent, and I don't ask anybody that's out there that believes otherwise. But I was raised to believe that what was behind life was an angry God, a vengeful God, a God that was willing to do something that no parent would ever do to their child—send them to an eternity of torture if they if they acted badly enough. Uh, and and I lived a lot of life early li- life in fear of that of that uh, source of life now. It's clear to me that um, that what's behind life is pure love and understanding. No, there's no doubt in my mind. Have you heard me, kid? About did you know that there's a uh, an organization based on unconditional love in all 195 countries?
0: No, I did not know that.
1: No, you didn't know. Did, are you are you curious about the name of it? It's it's yes. got the same name in all 195 countries. I suppose. Yes, please. It, it's called uh, grandparenting.
0: <laughs> I see.
1: <laughs> now, that's funny, but it's true. Because, and the reason there's there's more of that, not that there's 100%, but the reason there's so much unconditional love in grandparenting is because that they've given, they've let go of the fear they had when they were parenting. Fear that they weren't doing well, it well enough. Fear of what people what other people will think of their children if their children act in a certain way. Some cultures are more, this is more, but, but there that can't, that unconditional love can't exist even to the extent that it does in this world. uh, If it wasn't at the source, Hmm. there's a little book by Sir John Templeton, you know, the billionaire that then became uh, incredibly wise and it's called Agape. And agape is the Greek word for unconditional love, and he he shows from Scripture of all eight major religious teachings that at the core of each one of them, before all the rituals and the dogma, is is unconditional love. Is loving your enemies as you, it wasn't just Christianity that had that at the at the base of there, but people don't live there mostly because of fear.
0: Mm-hmm yeah
1: they live in a world of us's and them's we and they
0: wow this is this is a great conversation we could have like these conversations forever like they're it's unlimited right like we can it's just it's so expansive as a conversation i mean um yeah, I just love it. I I want to before we go, I want you to tell tell me a little bit about because you have a program starting in January, and I would like you to talk a little bit about it. So if anybody's interested, they could go on your website and sign up.
1: Oh, that that's kind of you. Um it's really a sequel. Um the the one that starts in January, January 5th for eight weeks on Wednesdays. It's gonna be live at at uh uh, let's see, 11 a.m. Um, Pacific Daylight Time to Eastern Standard Time. Um, it's going to be live then, and then, rec- but it'll be recorded. So if people can make some of it live, or some, you know, can't make any, they can what, uh, do it recorded. It's going to be two hours on the first and the eighth week, and um, 90 minutes in between. Uh, it's called. It's going to. The title is uh, "Thriving Together." thriving together. So the Corey Keyes, the research psychologist, has indicated from his surveys in the United States and multiple articles that approximately 18% from his survey uh, meet criteria for a really good mental well-being. 18%, that's about one in six, what he calls thriving. And another 50% are okay, but stressed. I'm okay, but I'm okay, but I need to do my yoga, my chai tea, my mindfulness, my hour of exercise, and so there's all this coping, which I certainly lived for a long time, and not that there's anything wrong with yoga, uh, tai chi, or qigong, or or because they're beautiful things, but if you have to have them to to keep from being overwhelmed, then 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 you're coping, right? And then 32 uh, percent of of the population in the United States across culture, across economics, across education are in a from his survey. And it seems to, to pan out are overwhelmed. They're what he calls languishing. And, and 32%, Jasmine, your heart aches because that's almost one third. And there's a lot of things that happen are happening even now that you can understand that there's about, 32% of the people that are not in, living in a, in a healthy, happy, joyful state of mind. They're angry, they're bitter, they're sad. They're, and, and at the bottom part of that are the people that are waking up every day, trying to decide whether or not to kill themselves. And then some of those are deciding whether or not to kill other people before they kill themselves and and that's just the way it is and these are not bad people they're they're not they're good people but they're lost and they, and they don't understand how not to be lost um and i i easily tell people i could have easily ended up after my fourth divorce fourth or fifth you know with i could have met five women and got divorced from them and be sitting with a fifth of whiskey and having the medical board take my license away and and wondering why life had been so cruel to me <laughs> and thinking that it, had, it that it i mean you know but luckily i was fortunate enough to to um meet mr banks in 1983 and my life became uh, really um incrementally gentle since then you know so uh, I got off a little bit. I'm trying to think even what the question was. I apologize. <laughs>
0: That's okay. It, yeah. it was for your Thriving Together class.
1: Oh, yeah. So the th- the course is called Thriving Together. It's eight weeks. And we'll be using a reading from a, a book by Mr. Banks, the last one that he wrote. He died in 2009. This was published in 2005. And it's called The Enlightened Gardener Revisited. And, uh, and uh, so... We'll be having reading from that. It's out of a 150 page book. We'll have like 20, 20 pages of reading before each of the eight that, I, that I encourage people. They don't have to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I won't be using slides during the presentation, but I will have made slides that, um, that we will send to people after so they don't have to take notes during it. I will send in the, the slides afterwards. And, uh, and there's a a money-back guarantee. It's two hundred ninety-five dollars, but I it, I wait ask people to wait for thirty days, but anybody that requests a, a uh, their money back from after thirty days, between thirty and ninety days after the course, I, I will ask, give optional to them to let me know what we can do so that that doesn't happen, um, but but I I won't ask any questions. There'll be no questions. It's a you it's a no law. You can't lose. Yeah, uh, it's a win-win. It's a win win. It it really is. Yeah. And, and, you know, do I think ideally people would um, would uh, purchase course three because it's from the enlightened gardener uh, and, and, um, and then, uh, and then the sequel is the enlightened gardener Revisited. Is it absolutely necessary? Absolutely not. There's people that have read the enlightened gardener revisited and said, holy cow. And this is the second part. i want to, I want to read the first one, you know, so.
0: Mm. Okay. So that yeah. starts on January 5th. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so if I, I don't know if you're gonna, we're gonna publish after that date, but that's okay. I think that you can, you'll be able to still sign up if there's anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because people who, you know, can sign up, they can catch if they'll be, they are a couple of weeks behind, they can get, listen to the recordings and then start watching listening to them live while they're
0: yeah Yeah. just being in the in the space and being in this space of calm it just it's so it's already transformational just being Mm -hmm. you know sitting in that space you don't have to do anything just be you know my cat is really demanding this today
1: that's what i tell parents you know i feel i say you know the child says to the parent i can't under i can't hear what you're saying Because the way you are speaks so loudly. Mm. Whether whether it's a manager or whether it's a, it doesn't matter. It isn't what comes out of our mouth. It's the feeling level that we're, from which it's coming. And if it's coming from love and understanding, I love the Hebrew saying that words spoken directly from the heart reach the heart. Yeah,
0: when you do anything with love, you just. That's it's love there's you a power love, you know? yeah
1: there's, there's a power behind it, yeah
0: all yeah. right, well, thank you so much Oh you're for very welcome my invitation yeah. and um so if anybody wants to uh reach out to you, they can go to the, the doctors the d r s dot com and they've got a contact form there, and you can go ahead and and right. reach out them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, All thank right. you. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a, it's been a pleasure.
0: Yeah, same here. So mm-hmm. everybody else who's listening, thank you so much. And uh, I'm gonna just sign off with my 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 phrase of dream it, dare it, do it, live the life you want. Take care, everybody.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye.